Welcome into episode 245 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. And this episode is brought to you by Dream Symbols. If you're following Dream on social media, you might have seen that they are participating in a fundraiser. You have until Friday, June 12th to participate if you're interested. So what they've teamed up with Big Fat Snare Drum um, to put together a prize package um, that's 100% of the proceeds are going to the Black Lives Matter organization. Each $5 increment of your donation will get your name into the hat. So go to um, go to their Facebook page, their Instagram page, get the details on how to enter. Again, that's the Dream Symbols Black Lives Matter fundraiser in partnership with Big Fat Snare Drum. You have until Friday, June 12th to participate. Oh, that was that was the uh, that was the one that was the talk before the talk of all time. <laughs> I had to restart wow. three times. Welcome in to mm-hmm. episode two forty five <laughs> of the Modern Drummer Podcast. Five forty five. Uh, how are you, pal? You doing good? I'm doing all right. For the most part, I'm hydrated. Yeah. I'm dealing with some weird allergies this time of year. I guess pollen is incredibly high, but whatever, man. I ain't going to complain. Whatever. It's beautiful outside. We, we stopped complaining about the weather 150 episodes ago. We stopped talking about our dogs about 50 episodes ago. People got sick of it. They don't want to know anything about our lives. They just want to know our opinion on drums. Politics. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, please let's get into that. Who are you going to vote let's for? Let's get Mike? into that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't even want to get into that. Because then, if, what if I say, what if I don't vote? Then somebody comes down on me for that. I've. I've gotten to the point now that uh, I just, it's just, I keep my mask on all day, sunglasses. And now, did you try buy a designer mask? Well, A would be one. No, I did not buy one. Did I buy about 15 from different companies? Yes. <laughs> of course sweet. I did. Are you kidding me, dude? I've got ventilators on some of them. I've got them in gray camo. Uh, my mom made a bunch of them. And then I even looked into getting, this on a serious note, I looked into getting uh, mikeslessons.com logoed ones for the camp because, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to have the room that I'm in right now. There's going to be eight of us in here. There's no way to separate us by six feet. Uh, so we might have to change that because of the laws in California. So we might not be able to all come in here during a jam or a shed or something. Has there been any updates um, for the state as far as when that type of activity? Will be no, no, not right now. I mean, right now we're in a place where this business is almost considered like a a fitness area, like a small gym Mm -hmm. where we can have up to eight people here plus our employees, which would just be me and Amber. And everyone has to be six feet apart in the classroom setting. Not a problem, but a lot of our stuff has to do with us being in here recording each other. And then one person is out on the kit. So that kind of stuff might have to change Uh, uh, to be totally transparent we have considered knocking down some walls and going almost open concept where the entire studio has different sections but there's no walls dividing it mm. so we're going we're going through some stuff but the thing is three months ago three months ago you and i were going out to dinner with our wives yeah so what who knows what it's going to be like by the time the first camp gets here in late august and then september i, I it just changes so fast so i'm trying to hold off I don't want everything to go completely back to normal. I'm like, damn, I knocked down six walls. <laughs> Two of them were load-bearing, and the bike shop might drop into my lap any second now. <laughs> so I don't want to go yeah. too far. Bankrupt yourself so. with preparations. I had my one summer gig canceled this morning. I had a 4th of July oh. weekend uh, celebration that Maryland just ain't ready to allow those activities. So I got the final yeah. word. So that I had everything is done, which is so bizarre to me. I don't know how to even... It, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, it's a good chance to think about, do I want to do those gigs anymore when they come back? Like, that's, you know, yeah. do, I, do I need that, them? Was I just filling my calendar because I felt like I had to? Did it validate? I mean, that's the one thing I think about is the things that I'm doing outside of Mike'sLessons.com, do I do them because I enjoy doing them or do I do them because they validate me in some scene of drummers where it's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm a touring clinician. And to be honest... I remember Johnny Rab telling me this like it was yesterday. I said, how do you get into drum festivals? How do I get on those? And he said, I don't know, but once you get on one, you'll be on all of them. And from that moment on, they just keep calling you. He's like, I don't know. It doesn't even matter if you play good or bad. It's just you're in the club. 
and I don't want to lose that membership. But then I think about what it takes to, especially now. Okay, so I'm going to get on a flight. Let's say this festival's in Spain. The flight, the hotels, everything just for a, a one-day event, fly all the way back, go get tested for COVID-19 to make sure that my campers know that I'm back in the States, but I've been tested. Like, it's a lot to go through. Yeah, now, And I have to think, sure. like... Am I doing all that just for an Instagram picture of like me standing on a stage in Spain to be like, I did it. I mean, yeah. Uh, so I, how, how padded does your resume need to be to validate your business at this point? That's, yeah, that's a serious and, and, question that I think any professional is going to have to ask. Like, am I doing this for resume purposes? Is it really fulfilling something for me? It's like, is that extra hundred bucks on a Friday night, 150 bucks on a Friday night worth just the stress and, and the, the, restlessness of the weekend Can yes, I make especially that money if elsewhere? you're especially if you're past the point of needing the experience i mean if if you're somebody that's only gigged a few times in their life i would say gig for free paid to gig if you have to just get that experience yeah. but at the point that you're at that's not the reason to do it so in, yeah it's like the same it's like a, <laughs> a hamster wheel kind of vibe and yeah. So there, if there's any silver lining, and it, it's forcing me to to question if that's even what I should be doing or want to be doing, am I craving it? Like I got called yesterday, like um, a dude was like, "Hey, are would you are you happen to be in the D.C. area this weekend? We've got a acoustic outdoor festival that we might be able to play." I'm like, you know what? Nah. So that was the really? first time wow, I was okay. just like, nah. And so yeah. I, am I craving to play? No. But, you know, it's still kind of super sore at the moment. Like this whole experience is, is pretty raw. But I don't yeah. know. We'll see. By the time the summer comes to a close and we get into the fall, I think a lot of us are going to be reconsidering what we're doing. Like how do we do this healthy? <laughs> you know, stay healthy. Yeah. And, and, and just I think gearing your life and your career towards your own happiness is super important. And that is the thing that I'm going through. Of course, having a professional career as a drummer, I can guarantee 90% of our listeners are like, it would be the same as being a professional athlete. Like, shut up and play ball. And it's like, well, okay, but LeBron's been doing this since he was a child. He's kind of over the fact that he's a professional basketball player. Yeah, It's okay to pull into question your your own happiness and your own joy. And so I'm just looking at it as, of course, I'm going to teach drums. But to me, I've always – that's why I used to just rebel against that online drum teacher label because it was like, mm -hmm. well – but I did 50, 50 clinics this year, five drum festivals. I published a book. Like yeah. I'm an educator. I'm not an online drum teacher. That, and now I'm having to like zoom out even more and just think out of those things, what makes me the happiest because I want to put everything I have into the things that bring me the most joy. Is that working with people in a small setting like a drum camp or would it be – Something that I want to do, like festivals. I mean, there's definitely a performance high. I mean, that's my mm -hmm. only gigging is a drum festival or a clinic. Uh, so, yeah, I think we all have a chance to reevaluate. I will – let me th get your thoughts on this. Okay. Uh, so <clears throat> just turn off the mics. So there's no more podcast. If you're listening to the podcast, just turn it off for the next 10 minutes <laughs> because I probably there's, – there's definitely some people I should be talking to first before I bring it up here. But – I was thinking about, and I think this would be very cool for the future of our podcast for sure to talk about, but when people ask me about gear, microphones, drums, cymbals, mm -hmm. most, of my, most of my answers are built obviously off my own experience, a little bit off this podcast because I've learned so much by hosting this with you, but a lot of it is just regurgitated info that I've known my whole life, but I don't even know why I know it. Mm-hmm. Like when somebody says, what's B20, I'm like, bronze, 20% tin, 80% copper, I think. Right. But I don't really know. So my thought was, I know that they're going to reschedule the Minel Drum Festival and it'll be sometime next year. And so I'm going to go over there and it's being held at the Minel factory. I was thinking about asking Minel, can I stay for an extra week, throw on the Minel shirt and wake up every morning and be at work nine to five in the Minel factory every day in a different department. Like just mimic or shadow the lathing guy for an entire day. And the next day, shadow mm -hmm. the guy that's polishing the symbols and then shadow an A&R for an entire week so that my information that I'm giving to my students and to the listeners of this podcast is based off of experience rather than, I don't know, I've just always known this stuff, but I don't really know it. I just kind of say it. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And I wouldn't want it to be a gimmick. I don't want to film it or anything like that. I actually want to go to work 
I would love to do it at Audio Technica. I don't know what the hell a microphone does. I have no <laughs> idea how it works. No clue. Uh, I was just putting together a little presentation on for for this summer uh, online camp. I'm I'm a guest teacher on biking and electronics. And I'm like, you know, I've got to explain a dynamic mic and a condenser mic. I really don't know how to explain it other than dynamic doesn't require electricity and a condenser <laughs> requires electricity. Beyond that, I don't really care because all I need to know is a dynamic mic is not going to be as sensitive. Cool. That's all for, I right, need to yeah, know. Yeah, that's the practical information. But sure. if I'm going to be a teacher of this knowledge, I should probably say what exactly is an electret circuit and how does that work? And But yeah, um, I mean – That's kind of what I'm going through is I just want to make sure that if a camper has a question, a good question would be what does the lathing do? And I'd go, oh, it makes it washier. But I don't really know that. I just say that. I'd actually like to be with a dude at the Minel factory and say, okay, let's take this this shaped hammered symbol that hasn't been lathed yet yeah. and let's ruin it. I want you to overlay the hell out of it. I'll pay for it. It's 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 toast. I'll pay mm-hmm. cost. But I, I don't know what doing it wrong does. You, you know, know somebody like Nicky Moon would be like the guy where it's like, what happens when you do this wrong? Well, that's funny you bring him up because he and I had a conversation about a week ago. Soon as this lockdown is over, that's the plan. I'm going to go down to his shop and see stage one. What do you do? You wash it. You do some initial right. hammering. <clears throat> you drill out the hole. Stage two. And just document the whole process because I, I saw him take a raw blank and do like a first round of hammering. So I saw like when it goes from just this non-musical oblong, like disc. strangely disc, you know, like like a t- potato chip of metal. And there was a yep. clear point when he did one final hammer that it was like, whoa, now it's a now it's a symbol. It just something just wow. kind of fell into place. It was kind of yeah. magical and, and surreal. So, yeah, we had the conversation. Well, you got to come down and see me do a start to finish a symbol to really know what it all does. <clears throat> so yeah i'm already kind of in that same thought with symbols yeah probably i mean i would like i said too. i would it's probably some some builders. i would love to do it well, yeah and i mean i think that uh what you did at sugar it's awesome i mean i i really got started thinking about it because the i remember when i signed with audio technica they said well what are you looking for and i was like well i think if i signed with anybody sure audix earthworks doesn't matter it's like microphones is what i'm looking for but i said i'm really looking for somebody to bring me on that can teach me about microphones like i really i still truly do not understand why one mic is three hundred dollars and one mic is three thousand dollars i don't know what's happening and i mean obviously i can make assumptions based off my experience but I, i would actually like to be there in the factory where they're going this is why this piece right here and this picks up this many you know, this much more frequency and all. I want to know that stuff. Yeah, right. Because how much someone versus the, the, plastic. That yeah, there's like components. Totally. Yeah, that's the thing is I've. I think both of us have put ourselves in a position where they're not going to ask Audio Technica. They're not going to ask Minel. They're going to ask us. Right. That's. I mean, we've put ourselves out there as like, no, no, no anything you want to know. Go I've for a, it. Then I've they're got like about thirty-five is, pages here of questions that people want to know. What? The well, heck? then let's <laughs> dig into that. Let's dig into that and see how well we do in our perspective roles oh man it, it, it's funny that you bring it up because i've been thinking about that even as a teacher like i had to you know we can go on maybe off air talk about it but i realized that i often teach at a more, more advanced level than i think i do so even if i'm dealing with an adult who i think is a beginner i'm still kind of putting them five years ahead of where they should be and that's yeah. i'm having to reevaluate everything even as an educator what you know where what's the chicken what's the egg you know what has to come first can you improvise if you can't play a double stroke role like all these that's questions are kind of popping totally. up totally yeah and i think it just comes down to always having a great anchor onto your past because that's the role of the teacher at least from my perspective is that i have to get in your shoes and remember where i was when I was where you are now, you might be 47 and I might've been 11, but I was still feeling physically what you're feeling right now. You're maybe more mentally prepared to handle, or maybe actually an 11 year old is more mentally prepared to handle the frustration because they just don't even know how frustrating it is. But either way, I have to get in that headspace every time. And that's tough, man. And the, the social media doesn't make it any easier. 
like, hey, I really like this drummer. I'm like, cool, that drummer's been practicing for 47 years straight <laughs> since they were four years old, and they've had the best education in the world. You know that guy's private teacher? Dennis Chambers. Yeah, I kind of so, want to say the halftime shuffle should be off limits for everyone. Just just stop. No one is ready for it. Ash, you've <laughs> ruined everyone. <laughs> totally. No oh one is God. prepared for that. Eat. Oh, my God. I remember Nate Martin, the guy that uh, used to run the cameras when we were allowed to have people, employees here. And when he came to his very first camp, he had a private teacher. And I actually know his private teacher. His private teacher is a really great drummer and a really thoughtful teacher. But he was Nate was at that point of like just getting into that, okay, well, you can join the intermediate camp just at that level. And you're going to struggle, but you can do this. This is, God, like eight years ago, seven years ago. And I said, so what are you working on now? And he pulls out this Yellow Jackets tune that is this blistering halftime shuffle. That's also <laughs> that it's that cross between Will Kennedy's six eight and a halftime shuffle. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, but yeah, you, just but you can't play in there. A, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you can't play a basic groove in a fill, which is fine. But why does your teacher have you working on this? And it was like one of those things where because the teacher didn't ask didn't really dig into where you truly are. It was just like, well, my students learn this. And it's like, mm. okay, but you might cause them to quit the instrument because this is just so far beyond where they truly are. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it can be tough, man. All right, well, let's see how we do with these listener questions. All right, so we're going to try to get through a whole bunch of questions. Hopefully none of these are repeats, but I just printed out everything that I had that wasn't labeled as completed in my folder. So we've got one from Raphael here. Um, if playing a paradiddle as quarter note triplets, which is two bars, okay. are you counting each note as triplets or are you playing a paradiddle at a different tempo? How would you musically approach this? Hmm. It's a good question. I count it as triplets. I always count yeah. the triplet. I count. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't, the sticking wouldn't determine really anything. Um, I guess the only thing that would happen is if you had a pulse going against that with your left foot and then you were accenting the pair part of the paradiddle, then you would create a bit of a polyrhythm against the pulse. But other than that, no, I mean, eighth notes or eighth notes, whether I play them as paradiddles, eighth note or uh, paradiddles or double strokes or inverted paradiddles. So I think I would just keep it. I would, I would focus more like what Mike said on the subdivision than I would the sticking. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything else to add to that other than you have to count it. I think. <clears throat> I don't think a quarter note triple is something you should ever just wing it and try to feel because you're going to be too fast. Good probably. luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That or, was like the only thing I can think of back in school band days where I'd see like the quarter note triplet and I'm like, oh, it's so spaced out and there's no <laughs> reference to it's like because they don't put like a quarter. They don't put an actual quarter note underneath it. Yeah. You know, with like left foot, it's just a quarter note triplet, yep, like yep. for two bars. And you're like, oh god! <laughs> and how do the French horns know what this is? Why do they always nail it and I always rush yeah. it? I'm the guy that only studies rhythm. <laughs> Why am I yelling at you, French horn players? You guys didn't do anything wrong. All right, next one's from Andrew. Um, I would like to know what is the most, the more common practice when hiring a top-notch studio drummer for a session. Is it to bring their own drums or to use the drums that might already be in the studio? Um, for my no experience, I think if the studio has drums, I will always start there. Like the, the when I did a couple sessions down in Baltimore, I took stuff, but I didn't use it. So it was like, is this kit sound good? Do we need to change it? That was the first question because they've already got dialed in and it's a good kit. Inevitably, it's a good kit. It's probably Yamaha or something or a Ludwig. And right. So I I would bring snares and cymbals and maybe have a, a, a basic kit there if we if we need it, but... I always default to use the studio's gear. That's just me. Yeah, there you go. Okay, this one is from... So this one's from Chris. Can you talk about some of your favorite music drumming books that are not theory books? Uh, recently read Victor Wooten's The Music Lesson, Questlove's Mo Meta Blues, and Kenny Warner's Effortless Mastery. They're all great reads. So I'm looking for something else to check out. Oh, man. Does anybody read books anymore? <laughs> I didn't even know. I, I just listened. I will say this. I did listen to the music lesson because uh, Victor Wooten actually is the one that did the audiobook for it. Yeah. And hearing it in his voice was just awesome. And to hear um, him playing the little motifs yep. in the background. Yeah, that totally. book's amazing. I just got Chick Corea's book. Mm. It's short. It's like maybe 50 pages or something. It's it's kind of his whole concept of, of music and learning and studying. It's from a pianist's perspective. But a lot of okay. it's universal. It's kind of more philosophical. 
um, it's pretty amazing. And I read it in, you know, like an hour and it was inspired me to start writing my own books and stuff. Nice. That'd be one I would um, recommend. <clears throat> yeah. I don't really ever read musician books, I guess, but I do read tons of, I wouldn't really call them self-help books as more as just, I, I love biographies and autobiographies on people that have changed the world. So I get into that stuff. But the one of the books that I would recommend for everyone, whether it's drumming or not, would be Originals by Adam Grant. And it's just a it's a it's a very quick read, uh, but it's just about people that took what was happening the same way as always and just said, yeah, I'm not going to do it that way. Um, and it's people that were truly original and then changed the world because of it. So I think it's one of those books that you could just read a single chapter every couple weeks and it'll fire you up to be like, I am going to do things a better way than they've ever been done. And so that stuff to me permeates into my drumming more than reading a book by another drummer or another musician. Cause we drum. <laughs> I'm glad I choked. I was about to say, cause we drummers are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I just, Oh, I don't want to get into it. All right. <sighs> so next one's from Calum. Do you have any tips for practicing teaching? I've done it, done it before the drums and also started teaching my younger brother math since this lockdown and really enjoyed it, but want to try and get better at it. Um, so that's from Calum. How do you practice teaching? I think the first thing is you have a lot of ways that you can do it without ruining your career, uh, depending on how massive your Instagram following is or your Facebook following is. I would highly suggest just sweeping or swiping, excuse me, all the way to the end where it says live and press that button mm. and just be prepared with a topic and be like, be ready for it. Understand how live video works. You know, if you ever watch one of my live streams, you'll notice that I'm, I never once am looking at the screen when you log on. When you log on, I'm looking at my computer screen. I'm looking away from you because I already knew that it's going to take 20 to 30 seconds for people to log on. So I've got music playing in the background. It's usually some sort of music that'll cause people to ask questions like, what band was that? What track was that? And then from that point on, I never look at the camera, or I mean, I never look at the phone. I only look at the lens. And then I just say, hey, guys, what's up? I want to talk to you today about, and from that moment on, you're teaching. And so I think that by practicing it that way, it, that's one way you could do it. And the other way to do it would be to do pre-recorded videos. And the third way would just be to bring in some students when you find parents or kids that want to get into drumming say look i'm not a professional drum teacher but i really do enjoy giving this information that i have to other people so if you want i could get your son or daughter started on this instrument and then we could and then i would be more than happy to help find a great teacher for you after that mm -hmm. i have nothing to add because i suck at teaching okay this one is <laughs> from dan uh i love the podcast because it seems like vegetables disguised as candy uh, and I'm wondering if you might be able to recommend a book with a similar approach. I'm a gigging drummer, and I've always played purely for fun. I've never taken lessons or worked from a book, so I'd love it if you could point me in the direction of something that is accessible and fun that I can dip in and out of to break me out of the same old grooves and patterns. Well, I think the first thing is, from just from what you said, my curiosity would be, how good is your reading? Yeah. Because if we recommend a book that's seriously dense in the notation, you're going to check out immediately. Um, if assume, let's just go into this, assuming that the person's that Dan's reading is decent enough to get through. I would say to me, a candy book would be advanced concepts by Kim Plainfield. Mm. It's all candy for an advanced drummer. It's never like, let me teach you the Samba and then give you, it just starts at, here's my coolest variation that I ever came up with, mm. but you have to know the Samba to enjoy his variation. So I wouldn't, I would say that's a pure candy book. Um, I mean, I think syncopation and, and stick control can be those, but really future sounds is the one that always sticks out to me is like, they're kind of monotonous. And then all of a sudden this moment happens where you're like, oh my God, I'm actually playing this stuff and it sounds really cool. So mm. future sounds would probably be my pick. What about you, bud? I would pick like um, something that's maybe more of a transcription book or a beat book, like the Breakbeat oh. Bible or uh, you know, some of Jim Payne's writings on just funk beats or the Zorro commandments of R&B drumming or something that's it's got some history, it's got some transcriptions, it's got some yeah. technical stuff that's organized that way. So you're, you're still learning songs, you're still learning music, but it might have a topic that you've never tried before. All right. 
questions are getting put on hold because I have a question for you that Uh-oh. I can't believe we've never discussed this. Okay. We are 200 plus episodes deep and we have never discussed Alan Dawson's rudimental ritual. At least I don't think we have. Okay. Now, the book that that comes from wasn't written by Alan Dawson, correct? The, the Probably the one that's readily available was written by John Ramsey, his student. Right. Okay. Yeah. So how about – let's not – I don't want to go negative and be like, what do you think about that book? But what do you think about that book? I mean that was – I remember somebody bringing that up to me not that long ago, maybe 10 years ago where they were like, well, what do you do with the rudimental ritual? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what that is. And then so I had to get the book and everything and I was like, wow, mm. this is a very thorough thing. Um but most of us kind of land on that stuff anyways. At, at some point, you're like, I can do Swiss triplets. Can I do them over a samba? Yeah. You know, or, or any ostinato with my feet. So I got to be honest. I didn't dig in. I, don't, I haven't looked at that book in forever. But I didn't dig into that book as a book. I just scammed, like, where's this rudimental ritual that I keep hearing mm-hmm. about? Um, is that book, like, a great method book? Or is it a method book? I don't know what it is other than well, the mental ritual. Yeah, thing. that's part of a different book that's like the Alan Dawson method of, of teaching. That's just part of it. Okay. Um, the ritual itself is just a really one long exercise that has all the rudiments in it. I right. don't like it because it's so long. It takes like a half hour to do it. I'm like, I would rather I would rather work a one page out of a Wilcoxon rudimental solo that has Radom McHugh's and everything in there. So I think if yeah. for me not having studied with Alan Dawson or anyone who was under his tutelage, it doesn't have carry the weight that it probably does with those people. And I think it's it's sure. just too too long to, for me to yeah. dedicate that much time to go through all the standard rudiments when I've worked on them in marching band and private lessons my whole life. So I can see the value. F- Maybe it's just a challenge. Can you memorize this whole freaking thing? Right. But it had it never has kind of come into play as something that I would teach okay. or use. Um, I'm with you on that. I just didn't know I would be open to somebody saying, you've lost your mind. You're a professional educator. Get into it. And it's like, okay, but I, I did. I bought it. And I, mm. I did it. I worked on it, made sure. And, and it, I will say this. It seemed like a great test to be like, have you skipped any of these? You know, it's mm-hmm. like. Yeah, I had the Vic Firth poster. <laughs> I mean, really, the, the the Johnston rudimental ritual was have the Vic Firth poster on your wall, stare at it, and play a bio with your feet while going through every single one of those. Yeah, um, and I or mean, a tumba or a samba or anything. Are you going to play triple Radom accused unless you're playing in a, a hard bop style? Maybe. At no point have I fret 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 That just does when I'm when I'm. That just doesn't come up in my yeah. mind. There's some. Of I like, mean, the Flamacue is one. Lesson twenty five. Yeah. Like what? What is lesson twenty five? Yeah, <laughs> it's not less. You know. And then I'm about to book report your ass. Like eh, it doesn't. I know that's a hybrid rudiment, but it. I don't chill to cheese my way through a lot of this stuff. You know. <laughs> All right, moving on. Next question. <laughs> what was I just watching? And it was just insane the amount of single stroke rolls that were being used. Oh uh, man, Greg Greg Hutchinson. Oh, just his much. his fluid the fluidity with just the single stroke roll. I'm like, all right. I mean, he and he's he comes from that more kind of Philly Joe rudimental style, but he plays with a, I mean, just a pure single stroke roll. Like, I, I think I could if he can make very compelling statements with single right. strokes. With yeah, and just for any of you that are stuck in a car listening with a fellow drummer, but you don't play drums. That would be this very complicated rudiment that goes right, left, and then you repeat. <laughs> That's the entire thing. You hit your right hand, you hit your left hand, and then you put that on repeat for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should. I'm sure you've had similar conversations, but when Carter and I get started on that, he's like, he's like, I don't know what to tell him. It's just right, left, right, left. Do it more often. I don't know what else to tell you. Like, practice? And I'm like, I got you, bro. I'm with you. How do you get a smooth double stroke roll? When you get to left, left, go back to the right. <laughs> Some of these things you're going to have to practice. Okay, now we're getting salty. We're getting salty. Moving on. All right, Remy's upstairs telling me to move it on. Our producers move it on. get Dawson. on with it. This is from Adam. Um, I have a question about a Desert Island brass snare selection. Um, I have a 7x14 George Way gold top maple poplar, which I have that as well. It's a beautiful drum. 
He also has a George Way Nyota, which I don't, right, we talked about it, I don't know what that wood is. He also has a 6 snap by 14 Superphonic, which is aluminum, and an older 6 snap by 14 uh, Metalworks Black Nickel over beaded steel. So he's got everything except for the brass. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm going to be predictable and say get a Black Beauty or something that is modeled after a Black Beauty. Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to say it because as a snare nerd, it, it kills me to say this, but everything that Dawson said is right. Even something modeled after the Black Beauty, it's like, dude, it's going to be a brass snare. Um, I'd probably, just because of... Oof. He's also asking about a, a, a more affordable version. Yeah, I... Man... You want to go affordable, just grab yourself one of those knockout, like one of those PDP Ace snares from back in the day. Yeah, they sound great. They sound amazing. Anything that uses a World Max beaded brass snare is going to be pretty darn close to a Black Beauty. So that would be totally, you know, the Pearl Sensitone. I mean, I can't confirm that they're using World Max, but it's it's that style. It's a it's a that Pearl Sensitone was great. Yeah, the pork Um, pies. I mean, if you want another there. really, really affordable brass snare, uh, check out the Joyful Noise TKO series. <laughs> <laughs> should be should be just fine. Uh, you might have to offer up a kidney for collateral, but that's probably if if we're talking Desert Island, that's what I, I I don't know what it was, but I think early in my touring days, Joyful Noise just started making snares, and we went into maybe Forks Drum Closet or something in Nashville mm-hmm. back in the day. And I remember seeing a Joyful Noise snare. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know why, but someday I will have that. that <laughs> I, and it just was like, I maybe even just the name, like Joyful Noise. I mean, that what a great, great thing. And those uh, are modeled kind of, after the late 70s Ludwig Black Beauties. That's exactly okay. what it is. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, but it... Looks ugly in, a, in, in like that best way. Yeah, I think uh, for me, 14 by five and a half, uh, Joyful Noise TKO brass snare. I'd be, I'd be, that would be my Desert Island brass snare. But at the same time, if somebody was like, how different does it sound than these other 15 brass snares? I'd be like, oh, no, no. It just looks cool. <laughs> I dig it. Yeah. I mean, there's something to be said about that, too. If you like the way something looks, it's you're going to like playing it more, but. I 100% agree with that. I, Yeah. All right, moving on. Okay, this one is from Joel. Um, I've been playing drums since I can remember, but I've been more serious in the past couple of years. Recently, I've been trying to play more deliberately. Welcome to the club. I find that when I play <laughs> fills and grooves, it tends to be the conversational equivalent of word vomit. This mm. approach has served me well up to this point, but I haven't gotten any complaints when jamming and playing. So I assume it's musical enough, but I would really like to start playing more controlled and deliberate. Any suggestions on a starting point for this? Uh, I could go on for hours, so I'll let you go first because this is almost everything that I teach. Well, my I'll just give a suggestion and then let you go. But I think the first thing is start recording yourself because you really think you know what you sound like, but I promise you don't know what you sound like until you start recording yourself. Mm-hmm. And another thing would be if you can record yourself just with audio, because if you if you videotape yourself, you're going to watch yourself more than you'll listen to yourself. You really should just listen, and you'll get a whole new perspective. So that would be my simple advice. I'll just give you one tip: sing it before you play it. Because I think this is—I know I've said this a million times—but as drummers, we don't have to be mentally engaged in order to play the instrument. We don't have to use. Anything other than our wrists and ankles to play the instrument. So you can just spaz out and it, it'll still it'll still work. If you have an oboe right. in your mouth, you can't just spaz out and have a perfectly in tune C. You've got to hear the right. note Good in point. your brain. You've got to make the embouchure get the right tension. You've got to blow with air. You've got to listen to the sound that's coming out of your instrument. You've got to adjust the intonation until you get the right note. How do you do that on the drum set? For me, sing it. Play it, sing it, play it, sing it while you play it and see where are my limbs doing more than what I'm actually singing. Remove all that crap. Remove your diddles. Remove all that stuff. Sing it, play it. Only add extra stuff to your plan if you can sing it. For a while, just try that. 
that seems to it helped me remove all the fluff. It's helped some students remove all the fluff. Totally. It gets you I mentally engaged. Benny had a great exercise on his first DVD that was, you know, I mean, Benny's first DVD still blows my mind because it just keeps going and going <laughs> and going. And each little chunk of it could have been its own DVD. Mm. But there's uh, some practice tips in there that I thought were really valuable. And one of them that until I saw that DVD, I hadn't seen this before, which was just this one or two bar uh, improv and repeat. So play something for one bar and then repeat it note for note. Mm-hmm. Now, first couple times, it'll be easy because you'll do some easy stuff. But eventually, you start actually truly improvising in the moment. But if you don't pay attention, if you didn't mean what you just said, you won't be able to repeat it at all. Yeah. And I promise, improvising for two full bars and then repeating that note for note is damn near impossible. But just one bar. Flat, doom, gatoom, gata, gata, gata. Flat, doom, dakoom, gata, gata, gata. Blah, blah, blah. Shabba, duba, greb. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Shabba, duba, greb. Just being able to do it, even just singing it, like Mike said. Yeah. That stuff is so helpful. So I think this comes down to maybe episode one of this podcast. But if you want to be good at anything, you're going to have to practice it. There's no way to get out of that. All right. Next one is from Huge Beats. Uh, we might have answered this one before, but it's probably worth it again. Looking to get my beats smaller. I've heard uh, Johnston talk about how he can do this when he maintains a normal conversation um, I'm actually a pretty quiet player to begin with but would like to develop this skill more um, basically because he's referencing his favorite recordings where the drums are noticeably very quiet I've tried lighter sticks but they feel they don't feel the same I've tried hitting softer but my touch seems tenuous um, is this just a matter of decades of playing or are there anything specific that I can practice to develop this skill uh, well, I'll go first just because I went through this most probably more recently than Mike had. Um, for me, it was seeing drummers in person, uh, especially going to our local, our closest jazz club, Yoshi's. And I would see, I remember seeing Willie Jones III play with Roy Hargrove. Mm-hmm. And I was literally feet away from his kit. And at no point did I think about earplugs at all. I mean, I was so close to his bass drum inches away with and they're on a stage and i'm sitting down at a table so literally my ear is at his bass drum level and it was just but he was playing with pure fire mm-hmm. i mean the dude was going bananas and i yep. was sitting right there just going like cool i'm sitting here and he's playing a, the same drum set and it was the house kit yamaha like you said <laughs> yamaha mm-hmm. maple custom that they probably ordered for weckle because wex was like well i can't come to your club until you get that <laughs> kit so they still have it there. And uh, I just I remember just thinking, wow, I really want that. Then I started teaching with Mark, started teaching with Carter, and they all had this same thing where I could sit right next to him and listen to him. The biggest thing is I had to get rid of my in-ears for mm. a good deal of my practice time. My in-ears were completely tricking me. And it was very – it's funny. You can make an acoustic kit become an electric kit very quick by having good mics, good preamps, good mixing, and in-ears. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm listening technically to a sample. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And if it's too loud, just turn it down. But keep hitting harder and harder. And so I had to take those out. And that was the big thing. Uh, That was such a big thing. And trying to year by year seeing how much less can I get my campers to stop blinking. Because they were just constantly blinking every time I hit my snare. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> They're trying so hard to look interested, but they just really want to put their hands up to their ears mm. and plug their ears. And so, yeah, I think it's just like we were saying in the last one, you got to pay attention to it. But there was no trick. And the one thing I wouldn't do is change my sticks. I want my sticks to feel comfortable in my hands at all times. Um, my sticks make no noise. My drum set makes no, no noise. I make the noise by hitting the sticks onto the drum set. Yeah, I mean, unless you're using like a, big old like 2b with a round yes. tip or something totally <clears throat> but anything the 5a 5b 7a world is going to be appropriate right. um two two things i would think of one um nothing beats experience when you're actually playing with other musicians in environments that require you to play quietly because um, you can't manufacture it if, you, if you're playing in a loud dining room with an acoustic pianist and an upright bassist and you're playing like fast bebop you have to figure it out. So trial by fire is is definitely a big part of it. Um, and then technically, it's for me, it's all about stick heights. I don't want to change my stroke to make it a slower, wimpier stroke in order to play quieter. 
I still maintain full velocity strokes, just not lifting the sticks off the instrument more than a couple inches. And then that allows me to play with intensity and intent and deliberateness and get a full sound and not feeling like I'm having to like flick the instrument because I can't control those heights. Or the opposite, which is you don't want to have this full stroke and then back it down velocity-wise on the way down. Yeah. Oh, dear God. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, please don't be loud. Uh, So we don't want that. I will say the last thing because i know just in today's day and age we want these like little tricks like just just give me the the hack what's the life hack to playing quietly the one hack that i did find helped a lot of my campers and my students was forcing them to play a song that they would normally play but i put the iphone or whatever phone you have on the floor tom and didn't plug it into anything so the speaker was just the phone sitting on the floor tom and then they had to play drums to it and they had to keep bringing their volume down because I'm like, dude, the phone's maxed out. It won't go any louder. Mm-hmm. You need to play. And that's what it's like. And, you know, we talked about the what the trial by fire thing. Think about the drummers I just mentioned. Willie Jones III, Mark Juliana, and Carter McLean. Like, where do you think they got it? Yeah. Like, from doing exactly gig. what you said on the gig. <laughs> yeah. So, for me, my gig is campers sitting four feet in front of my kit, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to make them stop blinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to cause a seizure with a snare drum. Hope that helps. Um, this one is from, it's not signed, it just says Flash. Uh, this is from Flash. What is better? Wait a, a minute. A good. This is Barry Allen. <laughs> Barry Allen's writing us. I guess. You know, he messed with the Speed Force this season. He <laughs> threw off the whole thing, and now he's trying to remanufacture the Speed Force with the help of Cisco. And I just, Barry Allen, if you're listening, I just want you to know that we're all in your corner. I know that Crisis was tough and you lost the arrow. Oliver Queen has died. Whew. <sighs> What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> oh, you don't watch all the DC shows? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I you were in some like Silicon Valley. Like... No, I'm talking about Barry <laughs> Allen, The Flash. He messed with the Speed Force during Crisis this year. And I just, I guarantee that I'm going to get six signups today because some nerds are going to be like, yes, <laughs> one person gets it and watches these horrible TV shows with me. I got your, I got your back, nerds. I'm okay, with you. Back to um, adults. <laughs> life here <laughs> this is from flash <laughs> Barry Allen. what is better a good audio interface or good microphones i'm looking at investing into one of these products and i'm not sure what to get oh my god because this could this be one of our fights is this a practice pads are stupid i don't i don't know how we're gonna land on this because i have um mine's kind of a punt but all right what do you got okay uh microphones microphones we have to define good because an SM57 is good and you should have True. an SM57 and it's going to cost you $79. I do think that the SM57 is one of those rare mics that if they would have known how good it was going to work and do its job, they would have priced it differently. At some point, a CEO <laughs> of Sure is like, you sure we can't just triple the price because it's one of the most valuable mics ever produced? And they're like, ah, we kind of set a precedent with it. We're going to have to stick with the whole 79 thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I as far as the interface, that needs to be good too because it needs to do its job well. But as far as noticeable sound difference, I when I think about good and bad mics, I'm thinking like where you get that plastic case that has 26 mics in it for 150 mm-hmm. bucks. I would much rather have a good, a decent overhead and a decent bass drum mic or two decent overheads. I'd much rather have that than that plastic case with like, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I think they, they feed one another. So like a scenario for mm-hmm. me personally, SM57 sounds like an SM57. But when I went from my old interface to what I'm currently using, that SM57 all of a sudden was unquestionably the best snare drum mic I owned. Whereas before uh, I was okay. like, eh, I don't know if I really love this mic. So. Wow. And the only okay. thing that changed was the interface. So it still sounded good on both, but it was a noticeable difference <clears throat> when I went to the professional level interface. But Okay, can I ask you this real quick? Yep. Uh, to stay on that topic, do you use preamps outside of the interface or nope. are you talking that the preamp? Okay. Nope, I'm using the um, Universal Audio Apollo. <clears throat> Excuse me, man, these allergies. But yeah, that huge difference in just clarity and I didn't have to like scoop out stuff. But, and that Apollo thing still doesn't work with PCs? It should. It doesn't? Does it? I don't know. I, I, I just remember staying away from it for a long time because it, maybe it does now. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to drop some <laughs> 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 Oh, 
But you can get good sounds with anything because it comes down – a good mic and a good interface is going to be just easier to work with. You can still get yeah. a cheap mic and a cheap interface to sound good. You're just going to have to work harder. I got to say too that the room probably has more to do with it than either of those two things yeah. and so does the person on the kit because yeah. I've had some students replicate my exact settings with my exact mics. and I, Maybe they didn't have the same interface, but – I mean, it didn't even remotely sound like the mix that I got hmm. on my kit in my room with the way that I play. Um, and I, I got to say, if you had the worst setup possible, but a true, if Shannon Forrest sat down, it would probably sound really good. Some people just know how to play drums and make them do what they need to do. So a lot of it comes down to that. But as far as what you're going to invest in, I would think of it like this. You're going to invest in both over time. Mm-hmm. So whichever one's frustrating you the most, get that one now and you'll get the others later. All right, so we got one from Caleb. I've been thinking about getting a bop kit just for fun and for smaller gigs. And his four, almost five-year-old daughter wants to learn, so it's his excuse for getting a bop kit. There you go. I was looking at the PDP New Yorker and the PDP Concept Maple. Would you recommend one of these or something else, uh, preferably under $600? Before you jump in, I just saw the new Gretsch um, Catalina finish. It's like the mm-hmm. vintage yellow swirl or something. Yeah. It's like the finish that people want on real like like vintage kits. Mm-hmm. So I still favor the Gretsch Catalina, but I remember seeing these Concept Maple and New Yorker at NAM, and that stuff is stellar too. Yeah, I, w- I would go <clears throat> like I would go with whatever brand makes you the most excited, to be honest, because I was there. I mean, if you don't know, DW, which obviously owns PDP and makes all of that stuff, uh, they also own the distribution rights for Gretsch. And so Gretsch, DW, PDP, it's all in one big house in Oxnard, Oxnard, California, even though the drums are made in different factories. Gretsch is still made in South Carolina um, as far as the USA, Brooklyn, and broadcasters. So I was there when they presented all of this, the new stuff for PDP. And then I was the one that demoed all the Catalina stuff and all the Gretsch stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to say, we're at a level where I cannot even believe what you can get for six to $700. Yeah, so the PDP stuff, Dave Elich played it. It all sounded great. I was lucky enough to demo the Catalina stuff. It was mind-blowing. They had a new 24, 13, 16, 18 with Mm -hmm. wood hoops in the Catalina that I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. Yeah, I'm looking at that kit right now in yellow satin flame. Yes, that is – I mean, you can convince me that's from the 50s. And you could convince me it's a USA Custom. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's $6.99. Damn. So, yeah, I think – uh, right now, I, I really don't think besides PDP, even though everybody makes it, I mean, I've played the Thomas Silver Star, I think it is. I've, um, I don't consider the Questlove kit to be a bop kit. It's more like a, what I would consider a, a cafe kit. Mm-hmm. It's just a small drum set. The, the Catalina and the PDP, those are actual bop kits. 8x12, 5x14, 14x14, 14x18 bass drum. Oh my God, I just read it off the internet and said it all wrong. <laughs> I said it like Dawson. That's Ugh. your company. They know how to do Ugh. it. <laughs> no, Sweetwater did that. I won't believe it. Anyways, um, I, I think that, yeah, those are both great. And that Catalina kit. It also comes in an... I don't know if it's an oak finish, but there's a finish that that one comes in that every time I see it, I think, ooh, they just came out with the coolest Brooklyn finish ever. And I'm like, oh, it's a damn Catalina. It it gets me every time. Uh, My buddy Cedric has one. And every time I see his kit, I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. So, yeah, they've got some cool stuff. All right. Next one's from Gunner. My question has to do with sound or perhaps linguistics. Question is, what do you mean by a warm sound in reference to looks like drums, heads, sticks? I think uh, I do think a, a stick can have a warmer sound <clears throat> like maple versus hickory on a ride cymbal. One is more articulate hmm. and has more click to it. Maple has this click to it um, that... It can make the washiest ride symbol on the planet still have tons of attack. And uh, so, but I think as far as drums, man, that's a tough one because you just, you feel it more than you experience it. And I guess for me, warmth means like a lack of click, a lack of attack. Mm. Um, 
I don't know. Okay, like a warm bass drum to me, I guess, would be a fluffy felt beater on a bass drum that has felt on both heads, but nothing in between. And somebody plays off the head. It's like, oh, it's a nice warm sound. Mm. But is it? I don't know. It's like Biscuits. round. Is it round or is it warm? What What do we... Yeah. I don't know. I think warmth means more low frequencies. Okay. Like I think so, of uh, rounded barren edges automatically remove a lot of the high frequencies. Yeah. So yeah. it just sounds lower. It sounds like the pitch is lower even though it may not be. I think of that as warmth. That's what I mean by the lack of click would be the lack of 5,000 to 12,000 hertz. Yeah. It's just not there naturally and then you would have to turn it up in EQ. But when I think of like I need a warm drum set, I think of maybe – uh, somebody from Mumford and Sons calling me and being like, "Hey, we have a gig on Wednesday." And I'm like, "I'll bring my warmest kit because mm-hmm. you're in Mumford and Sons." Uh, but at no point am I like, "Okay, so clear single plies, yeah, yeah, <laughs> nylon tip sticks, and I'm gonna go, uh, I'm gonna go Pearl Master Series. Like, I'm gonna get as t- as a tacky as I can." Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough word, but it's a word that once you know it you you experience it you yeah, know you I, I remember reading it. yeah yeah i remember reading warm um clicky articulate all those things in modern drummer when i was a kid and i was like i have no idea what the hell you're talking about i you know i have tinfoil on the inside of my bass room because i heard lars ulrich did it like I, have, <laughs> I clearly don't know what the hell you're talking about i've got silver dollars taped onto my bass drum head and then at some point you just kind of know like oh yeah this is a much warmer symbol than the last one i had or this is this has more shimmer, you know. So it's hmm. a tough thing. The adjectives of the drum industry are tough. He's confused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm rethinking everything because I think even like vintage Gretsch, I wouldn't consider a warm sound. It's oh. like maybe the most articulate of a vintage kit, but by comparison to like a I don't know a stainless steel kit, it's going to be pretty <laughs> darn warm. <laughs> But and I also doesn't that have to do with the tuning? I mean, if I brought it down, put a gel on each head, then it's warmer. But is ah uh, yeah. See the the gel for me makes it warmer because it's removing those high frequencies. That that's how I think of it. Warmth means less high frequencies. So clear ambassadors, wide open, tuned kind of high on any drum is going to be not warm. <laughs> but it's what's but it's the definitely not cool. It? It's not. I was going <laughs> to say it's not cool. It's, it's a word that stands attacky. on its own. It's bright. It's. It's bright. It's bright and clicky and attacky and articulate. And yeah. Warm sucks. That's a tough Let's one. not use that one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Warm just got obliterated from the podcast. Because there's no opposite. You can't have one without the other. That's true. What's the opposite of warmth? Cold? That drum sounds no, cold. I, <laughs> I mean, I guess. No. Moving on. Okay. Let's do one more. <clears throat> All right. Okay. This is a, this is a pretty... This would be heated. Um, this is from Luke. I'm finished, just finished high school, and I'm thinking about going to a conservatory to study drums and with the aim of playing drums full time. Um, it's a two part question. What is your opinion of studying music in college? And do you think it's a good idea when wanting to pursue the drums as a full time career? <laughs> okay. It's heated. So it is. And we have. College grad Dawson yep. versus I got a master's degree in street. music, dude. <laughs> I've got D minuses in everything besides PE. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, okay. I'm just going to stick with what I've always felt, which is probably the biggest benefit career-wise of going to music school is the people you meet while you're there. And that those are the future professional bass players, future professional guitarists, producers and you will have some sort of kinship with that group of people for the rest of your life because you guys went through something together and so i think that that is something that gets undervalued it's always this focus on education i heard ed sof teaches here and then this guy's teaching there and jimmy branley's over there and it's like that's amazing it's great to study with the masters but when all that's over you'll still know the people that played the other instruments there that you were forced to be in combos with and ensembles with. And I think that that's probably my, f- the thing that I find the most value about vo- valuable about all of that. I also think that 
you can surpass all of that if you are playing in your local scene and and playing with musicians that are far superior to you and they're causing you to grow. Um, I I don't know. What what do you think, buddy? I mean, you went through it. And I, I teach on a collegiate level and I'm definitely – when I went to college, it didn't cost that much money. It was still expensive, <clears throat> but I was lucky to get a scholarship so I didn't have to take any loans or anything. You really have to weigh the financial – strain that it's going to put on you potentially for 20 years of your adult life. Do you want to be paying off a loan when you're in your forties for a degree? And what is that degree going to give you? Do you want to teach? Do you want to teach public education? You have to have a degree. You have to have certification. So there's no questions asked. Do you want to teach on a collegiate level? Unless you have a career that is of a world-class level you're going to need a master's degree, probably a doctorate to even get an interview for a gig. Beyond that, if you just want to perform and remember that <laughs> the money that you're going to make playing drums is not going to be enough to cover your loan if you have to pay a loan back, that's a serious question you have to ask yourself. I would suggest a year, move to the biggest music scene near you. Just see how you how you stack up and then yeah. reassess. Do you need that situation where you're just surrounded by academia and challenged with classes? Or can you just thrive going to your seat? Yeah, I, I think it so comes down to the individual. Like you said, I mean, some people really need that structure and some people will never practice on that level without being forced to do it and being surrounded by other people that are doing it. I think the other thing that comes into this, just like Mike said, as soon as you said move to the biggest scene you can, the first thing that popped in my mind is you better work on your social skills. Yeah. Because no matter how good you are at the drums, if you can't socialize, it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only way. How are you going to break into the Nashville music scene when you can't socialize? Like no one's drumming is that good where they're like, oh man, Bobby Schmeckenmeyer just moved to town. He's 17 and boy, can he play? Like that's yeah. never going to happen. No. Uh, so it's going to be you going out to the clubs every night, meeting people, shaking hands, maybe not shaking hands right now, um, <laughs> but it'll, it'll be that. Um, so I think that that's going to be something that's extremely important moving forward too. Yeah. You've got to take lessons. I mean, now's a good chance, especially currently hit up your favorite drummer on earth and see if they will give you a lesson to just assess where am I at in comparison to where your hero thinks I need to be in order to do what they do. Get that, you know, if you find the right person who will give you that info, that could kind of set you up like, wow, I'm, I'm almost at that point or I'm 10 years away from where I need to be. I need to go full, full hog into it. (laughs) I was literally just thinking about what it's like to be like a 17 year old drummer and hit up Hutch and be like, would you mind giving me an honest assessment? And he'd be like, I don't know how to not give you an honest. <laughs> it's all I can do, but you're not ready for it because I'm going to tell you the truth. Well, that's I'm I mean, stare straight. You have to go to want, the right? ones who are really working. Like, there, yeah. you know, there's some of us who teach for fun, and therefore we're going to be a little bit more polite and and courteous. But someone who's like, oh, you really want to do this? Well, this is really what you need to do. I yeah. think you need someone who's going to. Be a hundred percent honest, like, dude, you're you have a long way to go. Or if you just did this, this, and this, or yes, you should go to school and study with someone, or no, you should just move somewhere and start working, or yeah, come take lessons. It's not. I think that's a great thing. I don't think it's an automatic go to college anymore. I think you have to, especially with just the expense of it. You really have to. I mean, I I barely had to take any loans out for my graduate degree, and it still took me until I was thirty five to pay the freaking thing off. You know, wow. that's. And that's a heavy burden that we don't think about when you're 17, 18 years old. Well, and I mean, we do hope that if you get a degree in music that you end up becoming a professional musician. But what if you're still paying that degree off at 35 and you aren't a musician anymore because you gave up on it, yeah. uh, which, you know, that's very likely to happen. So I think uh, I actually really like your last piece of advice the most. I think the most important thing would be to find somebody that you know will be honest with you. They're not giving you a drum lesson. They're giving you a, a career assessment of where you are right now. And I would pick somebody that currently has the career you want. Don't mm-hmm. just pick somebody that's good. Everyone's good. 
But even when you think about your most favorite drummer in the world, the, the person you think that is the most killing drummer in the world, then dig in and be like, wait, what have they actually done? There are some drummers that have quite a bit of fame, if you want to call it that, that haven't done anything mm-hmm. as far as drumming. And I'll, I'll be the first to admit, when was my last professional gig? Um, I don't know, in the freaking early 2000s. <laughs> But I don't I'm not a professional in my mind. I'm not a professional drummer. I'm a professional educator. So I would find somebody where it's like, OK, I, I Shannon Forrest just keeps coming to mind because I know you uh, like him so much. But I just think like, no, you could just go back a month and a half and find him on an album that's at the top of the charts. Mm-hmm. So if that's what you want, there you go. If you want somebody that's constantly touring with constant different acts, you know, then maybe you find that person. Good luck, though. Don't let it. Uh, don't Absolutely. Let, don't let this reality uh, kill the dream. So, if you want to go for it, go for it. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, are we done? What are we at here? Is it pick of the week time? I yeah. think so. Yeah, we are at the hour. <laughs> We're at the hour mark. So, my pick of the week. Uh, so funny when we got onto that uh, bop kit thing. I just couldn't stop scrolling through kits and. It done messed me up for a while. I've, I've got like a renowned three-piece shell pack on here. Got snares that I didn't even know Gretsch made. New finishes. Uh, so my pick of the week. I my pick of the week is very simple. It's just a food thing. I know that for any of you that are trying your best, especially in these Corona times, to have healthy food, it can be a little bit tough. And then if you try to do something like I'm going to be vegan. Then you realize, like, well, you don't know how to cook vegan. So mm. vegan and vegetarian sucks when all you know is, like, I don't know, you just make vegetables. It's like, well, <laughs> there are recipes. Uh-huh. Uh, I can tell you right now, I'm not that guy. I, I don't know how to cook with ingredients and recipes and all that stuff. So for a long time, Amber and I have been doing food delivery services that come all pre-made for you. You don't have to do anything. I've tried uh, freshly. I've tried metabolic meals. I've tried Factor 35. Uh, the one that I found that I like the most and that is the most affordable, I, I'm going to throw this out there. I didn't know it was vegetarian. I just found it and started ordering stuff. Mm. And then I was like, God, I don't. there's not a lot of meat options here. And I still <laughs> do eat fish and a little bit of poultry. And uh, then I was like, oh, it's a vegan website. So anyways, it's called Daily Harvest, and the meals are incredible. You can get flatbreads with cauliflower uh, crust. You can get lots of bowls. You can get different soups. You can get different oat bowls for breakfast. And you can get smoothies. So the smoothies are pretty incredible. You just throw it in the blender with a little bit of almond milk or juice if you want, and then you're good to go. But the nutrition is kind of out of – out of this world it comes frozen so you just throw them in your freezer and like i said compared to the other companies i've used it's really quite affordable i have no association with them whatsoever i don't have a discount code to give you uh but it's amber and i always joke when you pull off the top of this thing that's in a nice recyclable cardboard bowl we always call it we're like damn it's another bowl of health it's just vegetables stacked to the top but Mm. they season it that it so it actually you don't feel like you're trying to be healthy. That's all I'll say. So I've been using it for about, I think we're on like our fourth delivery. So about a month now. And it's not the only thing we eat, but it is nice when I'm like, okay, just get back on track. I just grab one of those out of the freezer, throw it in the microwave. And I know I had like a good meal. And then generally about five minutes later, I'm like, yeah, that wasn't enough. And I have about (laughs) 10 brownies. (laughs) I just fall completely off the wagon. Yeah. I mean, you got to lie to yourself a little bit, right? I mean, just the way it is. (laughs) Totally. All right. My pick uh, of the week. um, I don't know if anyone has seen this yet, but the great session drummer Blair Sinta released a course on Vimeo on demand. It is called Sticks and Wires. I believe it's 25 bucks for a few hours of content and he goes through microphone basics using one microphone, what the, um, you know, the different microphone patterns, how they affect the sound. So he goes from like super simple one mic setups all the way up to full mic setups. And then he has like some of the classic Beatles setups. It's a real kind of straightforward, not a whole lot of production except for just really nice sounds. Um, and it's a real kind of candid look at how he's getting, sounds in his studio uh, for, you know, real session work. So again, it's sticks and wires on Vimeo on demand, super affordable. Um, and it's, it's a good, even if you think, you know, all this stuff, just to be able to hear what does an omni pattern sound like? What does a bi-directional sound like? What does cardio sound like? 
they hear it quickly. Um, and then some of the Beatles setups I thought were cool. I've stolen a few things from them. So check it out. It's only 25 bucks. I'm pretty sure. So it's worth it. Support, it is. support Blair. He's great. Um, he's one of the good guys doing good things. Twenty four ninety nine. So, it. yeah, you save a penny compared to what Dawson was trying to sell you. <laughs> Once again, we have to thank our sponsor, Dream Symbols. If you are looking to participate in a fundraiser for the Black Lives Matter uh, organization, go to Dream's Instagram page. You will find all the details there. They have partnered up with Big Fat Snare Drum to put together a package where you can get some Big Fat Snare Drum accessories as well as some Dream, a Dream Symbol Pack. 100% of the proceeds are going to the Black Lives Matter organization, and each $5 increment that you donate will get you one entry. So if you do a $25 donation, you'll be submitted five times for a chance to win this package. The winner will be drawn on Friday, June 12th, so get your entries in now. Go to the Dream Symbols Facebook page, Instagram page for the details. All right, everybody. We hope you guys had an amazing time. Uh, if you get a chance, please head on over to iTunes and give us a little five-star rating. Write a quick review. That helps other drummers find this podcast. We hope you guys are all doing as well as possible in these crazy times. And I will tell you this. That drum set is a vacation from reality. It's okay to stop practicing for a little bit and just play. Put on your headphones. Put on your favorite band of all time. Close your eyes and just play your brain needs it. We are getting just so much stuff thrown at us constantly. And and because of social media, we just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And there's no time to really process all this stuff that you're taking in. So use the drum set for that and really, really just enjoy playing. This instrument has saved a lot of us. I don't know. I, I have a feeling that the drums are just different. I think art is one thing in itself. Music is another level. But the drums are just something special, and all of us can relate to what it's like to have one of the toughest times of our lives come up, and then the drum set gets us through it. And right now, the world is going through a tough time, so allow the drum set to get you through this time. All right, so our outro beat here is um, Ian Hits Drums. He's hitting another one, so it's a more drum and bass to send this one off. Uh, My ringer's on. What? My ringer's on, but my phone's too far away for me to do anything about it. It's like a podcast (laughs) I hope Ian's beat is louder than my phone. (laughs) Ian hits drums. Follow him on Instagram if you don't, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see you.